everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Hey, so during this series, I have a very specific agenda. So I want to go ahead and lay it out for you because I don't want you to think I'm hiding it, okay? My agenda for the next three episodes is to help those of you who are considering following Jesus actually decide to follow him. That those of you who are on the edge, those of you who believe in God, but Jesus isn't personal to you, maybe those of you who are exploring the idea, but you got a lot of questions and doubts, my goal is that you would fully embrace a relationship with Jesus that is real and personal. And I'm gonna go ahead and admit, that's a pretty naive, unrealistic goal. I know that because if you're not a Christian, you have some valid good reasons why you're not a Christian. Reasons like, well, if God is good, how could he allow so much suffering in the world? You know, how, how could he allow so much suffering in my world? It feels personal to you, doesn't it? Or maybe some of you would say, Matt, I believe in God, isn't that enough? Or Matt, I'm better than all the other Christians I know, so why do I need to be one? Good point. Or maybe you were raised to believe something very different than Christianity. So what makes Christianity right and what you were taught wrong? Maybe for some of you, just doesn't seem that important to follow Jesus. After all, your life's pretty good. You're doing great on your own, so you just don't care. So for me to say that my goal is to help you decide to follow Jesus, uh, that's pretty naive because all your questions, all your obstacles are big and they're real and you can't just ignore them. You would be foolish to ignore them. So I'm not gonna ask you to do that, but I am gonna ask you to consider something in addition to all your questions. Are you willing to hear me out? All right, let's talk. So here's something I've observed over the years. Very few adults begin following Jesus because they work through or answer all of their obstacles and questions. In other words, very rarely does someone who's wondering, well, how could a good God allow so much suffering? Very rarely do they get a book or do they hear a sermon that explains it all and then they go, oh, okay, I'm ready to follow Jesus now. I mean, that almost never happens. Adults who follow Jesus don't usually make that decision by working through all of their obstacles they actually follow Jesus because something happens that shrinks their obstacles and all their questions. In other words, God becomes personal to them in a way that makes their obstacles and their questions seem less significant. Now, I know what you're thinking because I'd be thinking the same thing. You're thinking, well, Matt, if you think I'd be so intellectually dishonest as to ignore all my questions that have kept me away from Christianity just because I've had some experience in life and suddenly I feel like God's close to me, well, that's crazy, and I get that. But this is something you have done before. You just don't realize it. I'm going to give you an example. Let me talk to all of us guys for a minute. First, if you're a single guy, you have a list of intellectual reasons for why you don't want to get married right now, don't you? Now, I'll let you in on a little secret. All of us married men, all the married men you know, well, we had the same reasons when we were single, and I'm going to prove to you I know what you're thinking, okay? Here are some of the reasons guys don't want to get married, and ladies, please do not hold this against us. You, just give us a pass on this. So when we're single as guys, we think, well, I don't want to give up my freedom. That's a big deal. I don't want to be committed. Remember thinking <laughs> you didn't have enough money to get married? You thought to yourself, well, I can't afford to be married. I can't even buy me everything I want. So how am I going to be able to buy me everything I want and buy her everything she wants? That's not going to work. And then 
when you're single, you think about all the other married people you know because you look around at your married friends and you go, oh man, why would I want to do that? And then there was a whole deal of, well, I'm too young to get married. And then it's hard to admit, but we'll admit it. We also think, well, what if I meet somebody better? I mean, I'm with her, but what if I put a ring on it and then two weeks later it's like, oh, wish I'd put a ring on that instead. There's all that going on in our heads, isn't it? Now, married guys, let me ask you a question. How many of those intellectual obstacles did you work through completely before you got married? I know, none of them, none of them. I have never met a guy who said, well, here's what I did to get married. I read a couple books and decided I was willing to give up my freedom, check. Then I went to a counselor, I worked through all my commitment issues, check. And then I saved and saved and saved and saved and saved and saved and saved money. And when I was about 70 years old, I decided I had just enough money to get married as long as this girl had really low expectations. And then I surrounded myself with just happily married people. I waited until I was not too young, not too old, you know, just right. And then I decided once I'm married, I'll poke my eyes out so I never see another attractive woman. I mean, you never hear that story, do you? You didn't get answers to all of this before you got married, which leads me to the question, if you're married, why did you get married? And the answer is simple. You want a tax break. No, 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 that's not it. You know that's not it. You fell in love. You know the answer. See, before love came along, marriage was just a category to you. It was some abstract idea, wasn't it? So you could talk about all those objections you had, and they were very real, but they were also very impersonal. And then you met somebody, and you weren't talking about women anymore. You were talking about her, you know, that one right over there. And it became incredibly personal to you. So you got married not because your obstacles went away. You got married not because your concerns disappeared. You got married because they got smaller when things got personal. Now, ladies, there are some examples of this for you too, okay? For instance, why would any woman want to deal with a man for her entire life? You can make a good case for not introducing that problem. I'll, I'll admit that. Or why would a woman want to have a baby? You can make a compelling case for avoiding that pain. But ladies, you already know this because you're smarter than us guys. You know when something becomes personal to you, none of those obstacles matter. When it's personal, you just carry your questions and your concerns right along with you as you got married, as you have kids. My point is simply this. This is exactly why adults choose to follow Jesus too. Adults don't follow Jesus because they work through a list of objections and get answers to all of their questions. Adults follow Jesus because something happens where God becomes very personal to them. And then that personal relationship trumps all the questions they have. Now, don't misunderstand me. This doesn't mean you should ignore your questions. My point is simply that if and when you decide to follow Jesus, you need to understand all of those fears or objections or doubts on your list, they're not all going to go away, but they are going to get smaller and you will get answers to some of those questions, but at the end of the day, it won't be the information that leads you to a relationship with God. It'll be because he moved from being a category to being very personal. Now, this has always been true. It was true even when Jesus was on the earth. Even when people could talk to Jesus face to face, even when they could see him perform miracles, there were still plenty of people who had questions and doubts about Jesus. And Jesus didn't try to answer all their questions or explain away all their doubts. What he did do is make himself personal to them. Let me show you what I mean. Early on in Jesus' public ministry, 
Jesus met two guys named Philip and Andrew, and he invited them to spend a little bit of time with him just for the purpose of them being able to get to know him better. And as Philip and Andrew spent time with Jesus, they saw enough to realize very quickly, oh man, Jesus is the Messiah we've been waiting for. This is God come to earth. And so Philip does exactly what you would expect someone to do who believes this is true. He goes to find one of his best friends and he tells his friend about Jesus. Only, this friend will not buy what Philip is selling. Now some of you can relate to this. This friend of Philip's is so skeptical. He's got lots of questions and doubts. And that's where I want to pick up the story. Here's how Matthew tells us it happened. Philip found Nathaniel, that was his friend, and he told him this. He said, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. We found the one about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, here's how Nate responds when he hears this big claim from Philip. He looks back at Philip and he says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And Philip's thinking, oh my gosh, I've blown it. You know, I shouldn't have never said Nazareth. He'll, he'll never believe me now. Because Nazareth was like this hole-in-the-wall kind of town that had a bad reputation. No one would have expected the Messiah to come from Nazareth. So Nathaniel's going, come on. After our people waited thousands of years for God to show up, you expect me to believe that he just came from Nazareth? I mean, Jerusalem, maybe. Nazareth, no way. Now, at this point, Philip had a decision to make. He could have tried to debate with his friend Nate. He maybe given him enough information to make him believe, yeah, 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 Messiah, he, he really can come from Nazareth. But Nate wouldn't have been any closer to meeting Jesus. Fortunately, Philip doesn't do that. He does this instead. He just looks at Nathaniel and he says, come and see, come and see. In other words, why don't you just spend some time around Jesus like I have and then you can decide for yourself what you believe to which Nate may have gone, but I have questions. Philip went, no problem. You just bring all those questions with you, but just meet him. And once you meet him, you can ask him about all those questions, but once you meet him, you can get to know him. Now, what John in his account, what he tells us happens next is incredible. If you're an intellectual person who's got obstacles to Christianity, you are going to love this part because Jesus is about to affirm your intellectual honesty and all of your doubts and your questions. In other words, Jesus is about to agree with you that you should not check your brain at the door when you believe in and begin to follow Jesus. Here's what John says happened next. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he looks at the people that are around him, that's around Jesus, and Jesus says to them, he points at Nathanael and he says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, here comes a guy who's not going to pretend. Here's a guy who's going to ask the hard questions. He's going to check things out. He's going to poke around before he believes in something. Here's a guy with a lot of integrity. I like that. I like him. I like his approach. Jesus affirmed the way Nathaniel thought about things. And then when Nathaniel walked up, Jesus apparently looked at him before they were ever introduced and said, well, hey, Nate, thanks for coming. And it freaked out Nathaniel because Nathaniel looked back and went, whoa, how do you know me, Jesus? And Jesus told him, well, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. In other words, Jesus looked at him and was like, you, you were sitting under a fig tree when Philip came up and told you about me, right? Well, yeah, but how did you know? Nobody could know that unless, oh, wait a minute. And suddenly this Nazareth question, well, it wasn't as big of an issue for Nate anymore. Like, he could deal with that later. Not because it didn't matter at all, but because something bigger had just happened. Jesus had become 
very personal to him. Somehow this man knew where Nathaniel was and what he was doing, even though he wasn't around. So the possibility of there being a Messiah wasn't categorical anymore. It was very personal, which explains why Nathaniel looks back at Jesus and says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Now, I don't know if Nathaniel ever got the whole Nazareth thing figured out or not, but I do know this very intelligent man with obstacles and questions and doubts chose to become a follower of Jesus because Jesus became personal to him. So here's all I hope to see happen during this series. I hope your very valid list of intellectual and emotional obstacles, questions, and doubts, all the things that are really, really big for you right now, I just hope that they'll start to shrink, not because they don't matter, but because you start to understand that God knows you and he loves you more than you could imagine. I do not want you to ignore your questions. Matter of fact, I want to help you find answers to as many of them as possible because they are important. But more than that, I hope Jesus becomes up close and personal to you. If God exists, and if he really does love you, wouldn't you want him to be up close and personal to you more than you would want answers to all the doubts and questions you have? Well, of course you would. And the good news is Jesus wants to be that personal. It's why he came, it's why he lived, it's why he died, it's why he rose again. Jesus did not come to hold a Q&A session for us. He came to be with us because that is as personal as it can get. So here's what I want you to do. I want to invite you to take a simple step this week. Now, I don't know if you pray very often or if you even pray at all, but would you be willing to pray a prayer for the next week and maybe even for the next three episodes as we go throughout this series? And if there's no God, and you may not think there's a God, but if there's no God, you're just talking to air, okay? So it's not going to hurt anything. you got nothing to lose, right? So would you pray, Heavenly Father, I want to know you more than I want to know the answers to my questions. That's it. Heavenly Father, if you exist and you can be known, I want to know you more than I want to know the answers to all my questions. Would you just make that a prayer that you pray once a day, every day? Because here's the reality. At the end of the day, you can have all the answers to all your questions, but none of that information will bring you any closer to a relationship with Jesus. You'll know more, but what you really need is for God to become personal to you. So would you ask him to do that? You've got nothing to lose. Every day, would you pray, Heavenly Father, I want to know you more than I want to know the answers to all my questions. Adults like you, they don't follow Jesus because they get all their questions answered. They follow Jesus when he becomes up close and personal to them. And next week, I'm going to show you how that starts to happen in your life. I'd love to pray for you as we close. Father, that is our simple prayer. We want to know you more than we want to know the answers to all of our questions, as important and valid as those questions and those doubts are. So over the next few weeks, as we go throughout these three episodes, would you help us to experience you in a way that's so personal, that just like Nathaniel, it just shrinks all of our objections a little bit. And we realize who you really are and that you're for us and that you really do love us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. 
and our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.